I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Q. Hi, I'm Dr. Tom, and I'm feeling locked down in my pants. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dr. Jamie Byrne. I'm a clinical psych. And I'm Dr. Dave Demmer. I'm also a clinical psych. And welcome to the Meet Q podcast, where each episode we meet Q, a fictional member of the LGBTQIA plus community who's struggling with their mental health. While the three of us have a chat about what's going on for them and how we would support Q in therapy and medically. Thanks for joining us. We acknowledge the traditional owners of this land and we, of course, pay our respects to their elders past and present. And we extend that respect to any First Nation listeners today. Sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. We might have to edit your answer out, but can I ask what lockdown in your pants refers to? Oh, I'm wearing one of those medieval torture devices um, Mm. with, like, a chastity Mm. belt. Like the Robin Hood men in tights. Exactly. (laughs) Who's got the key, Tom? Uh, That's a secret. Okay. Secretly me. Um, (laughs) It's not me. (laughs) (laughs) One thing we know. (laughs) It is you, Jamie. I've slipped it into your back pocket. (laughs) You slipped it where? (laughs) Exactly. Talking of. Well, shall we meet Q? Let's do it. Hi, I'm Q. I ended my relationship with my ex-girlfriend in January 2020 and I was so excited to get back into the dating scene. But then COVID happened. With all the lockdowns in Melbourne, I tried to do some online dating and walking dates, but it felt really hard to develop proper connections. All around me, my friends all had partners and I was just feeling more and more lonely. We're now in 2022, I'm 36 and still single. I've gained weight and I just feel like everyone else has someone except for me. I don't know how to meet people out at bars anymore. I really want to be in a relationship and I'm starting to think about starting a family. But I'm also noticing that I'm quite anxious as we enter this new world. Oh dear, Q. Mm. I think you're like probably experiencing what a lot of us have experienced at the moment. Like that whole sense of what the F mm. has just happened to us. Yep. Like how on earth do we like kind of enter this new normal world? It's one of those things where... I got really sick of staring at the four walls of either my clinic or my bedroom generally. Mm. Um, I certainly went through periods where I was like in isolation. Mm. Um, Like I went to Bali just prior to. um, That's right. You did. I did. I like I for the first uh, 12 months, I was uh, deemed to be the curse because as soon as I left Melbourne, the week after I returned, we were back in another lockdown. Really? Yeah. My, I had a birthday and it was the day that the state of emergency was um, listed by Dan Andrews. And that said, my sister said, absolutely, your You're day the of cause. birth yeah. was the state of emergency. <laughs> <laughs> what was your, what, did you have a trip before COVID? I did actually, yeah. I was overseas with a good friend. Uh, we were in Europe and when oh. we left at the beginning of January. Yeah. Well, mid-January, never heard of it. And yeah. on, the, on the flight yeah. home, at, like kind of midway through February, I think it was, yeah. we're like, oh, I wonder if they're going to let us like in. I was well, in Everest. I did base camp just oh, wow. before COVID. So, yeah, I was yeah. like, glad I got it in. But. I was like sitting in the Qantas lounge when um, oh. Scott Morrison. Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Sorry. Tom Dixon, he's also got a Qantas lounge <laughs> privilege. Of course I do. <laughs> uh, like, I am who I am. I'm not going to apologise for it. And it's um, like Scott Morrison was on the TV saying Australia should reconsider their 
their need to travel. <laughs> so I think this is what we can see here with Q is this like notion of like, God, where do I go from here? Like, how do I deal with what the traumatic experiences I've had with like kind of isolation, lockdown, the anxiety of like what's going on and like how do I kind of plan for the future when I don't know what the future is going to be? So, Jamie, like, do you have any ideas or like have you had kind of this discussion with clients about like where they might go like with their life? Well, Tommy, you know, that's the contrast, isn't it? That COVID's taken away this certainty of what our life is going to be. And I think all of us, to lesser or greater extent, has this kind of picture of what life is going to look like. Like I had this pretty little co- uh, collage, probably knowing me. Um, a mood board. A <laughs> what board? A mood, mood board. board. What? So- <laughs> What's a mood board? <laughs> We had a collage then. What's a mood board? A mood board is a new age collage. Have I I missed out? I think so. (laughs) Guys, I'm going to have a mood board for you next week. Like a dream board. Like maybe maybe when you were growing up, you used to cut out, you know, pictures of things that you wanted for your future. Like a scrapbook, but on a board. So I have like the poor version of a mood board. Is that right? Probably. Okay. All right. Um, so a mood board, but definitely going to edit to make me look cooler. Um, yeah, like, you know, oh, so this is what's going to happen by the time that I'm this age. This is what I'm going to do by the time this age. You know, Dave and I were just talking about this before the podcast. That is like, oh, at 25, I should be doing this. Mm. Yeah. And then you get 25 and you're not doing that. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, I've got time, don't I? Mm -hmm. So then we go like, okay, so then what's the next plan? What's the next plan? What's the next plan? And then at some point it sounds like Q's kind of going like, well, I don't know how many times I can keep putting this off. So, you know, there might be a thing around uh, wanting a longer-term partner. There might be feelings around, um, you know, starting a family that sounds like she's really experiencing. And I'm really empathetic to that because I think we've all had that feeling of our best laid plans have gone awry. Mm. Sometimes in a really – I didn't think I was going to be a psychologist, that's for sure. And can I just say, even though, you know – humble brag here, I'm pretty happy with where my life is at and where it's going and all the rest. I still have those moments sometimes where I go, mm. what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you're out there going, oh, is that a thing? Like, uh, do all of us have that experience? Mm. Yeah, I, I certainly do. I, I actually want to take a step back here if I can. Where, Like what I'm hearing you say and, you know, what I've heard a lot in the therapy room as well, you, you're kind of saying, what am I doing with my life? Which is a common question that I'm sure most of us ask at certain points. Q, and I'm sure a lot of us during lockdown were asking, how do I do my life? How does my life happen when actually I can't leave the house for 23 hours a day, when actually I'm working from home, when maybe I'm locked down because I'm a close contact or because I have COVID and I can't leave the house? Um, And that's what I'm really picking up here from Q's case is almost this sense of kind of loss and grief regarding these couple of years that we've all kind of been through. uh, And it's a really wonderful shared experience. Mm. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it's a wonderful shared experience. I should say it's wonderful that we were able to share the experience and not be through in this mm. process alone. Um, but 
the word that's coming to my mind here is grief. Tom? Yeah, I think um, I was just going to say that my experience has certainly been slightly different because I was still was at work every day or for like the majority of it and having like kind of patients come in frequently and talking about this kind of locked in your four walls for 23 hours was something that I personally couldn't identify with as much, but it was the notion of kind of, I was viewing it within that grief sphere um, as you raise. And I think what we did went really well in in Melbourne, particularly during that first long lockdown um, at the second half of 2020 was that there was this sense of collectiveness and we were all in this together. Mm. And there was a common aim of kind of working towards zero cases, which Melbourne achieved and congratulations to us uh, for that. I think it really should be acknowledged the pain that was required to kind of get there. Um, But like kind of being locked in those four walls for 23 hours a day, I I can only kind of sympathize and appreciate how painful it would have been for people. Mm. And that's certainly what like my patients were telling me every day. Mm -hmm. And, and you're right there. And I wonder even if on some level, Tom, even, even though you're able to go to work and, and, you know, many of us were um, lucky enough to still be able to work if we were essential workers. Uh, But there are other aspects of our lives that were still, still put on hold. There were birthdays that weren't partied. There were new years that weren't celebrated, uh, those types of things. But um, I don't know about you, Jamie, but, Again, this word grief just keeps coming to my mind and, and it's certainly um, something that I know a lot of people that I've seen recently have spoken about. Like these two years were almost on hold for mm. us and how did we develop and these best laid mm. plans that we maybe had and these plans for our future. Mm. Uh, I know that, you know, um, I supervise a lot of up and coming psychologists and, and you know, lots of them had never even mm. done face-to-face training uh, or face-to-face placements and yeah. hadn't actually been in a room with, with yeah. a client before. Yeah. I had that same experience with the teaching as well and mm-hmm. all of these students. And, um, you know, I, uh, when I went back face-to-face with clients because I was mainly telehealth, I had that experience of do I remember how to mm. sit in a room with people? That was really strange. Um, but I, I, one of the pattern that I noticed in my clients was it was almost like we went through, you know, and myself as well, I went through a different phase throughout COVID in Melbourne. So, you know, most of 2020 it was like anxiety because mm. we were like, what is is this thing, like, is the world, like, it felt like the world was going to end at certain points. It was just anxious, uncertainty. Then, you know, we got through that. We got to zero in Melbourne. We were, like, just a relief, mm. you know. We went back, you know, the midnight, you know, pubs opening up and stuff like that. It was so exciting. And then 2021, the year of a uh, year of disappointment. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, it was almost like we had some anger, coming out, Mm. right, like some real anger and that might have been anger towards government and politics. It might have been anger towards people who are anti-governments and politics. So it was just a lot of anger at the world. And then it's like the last stage of 2021, it was just this grief that you're referring to, Dave. I think what you're talking about there, Jamie, is the kind of experience of grief, which isn't always just around sadness. It can be around anger at what's happened. It can be around frustration. It can be around, you know, acceptance and and even growth from grief as well. Um, but I think that it is important that, that we all out here acknowledge that there is probably a grieving period mm-hmm. that needs to happen about the loss of these few years. <laughs>
So there was this often this feeling during COVID, you know, within like Zoom calls and stuff that, you mm. know, everyone was setting it up and you had all these people around you, but there was still that distance, wasn't there? Absolutely. Uh, and maybe if we, we define the difference between loneliness and being alone, loneliness is an emotion, it's an internal state, it is a feeling versus being alone, which is... I guess a situational state, like neither of, none of us here are alone right now because we're sitting at a table together. But I'm very lonely. Exactly, we can yeah. still feel My alone, <laughs> even even when we're not actually alone, yeah. and compound that with restrictions and quarantine and isolation, all the things that were going on for uh, for Q and for all of us during COVID. Uh, it just exacerbates that, doesn't it? hundred mm, percent. Like we were kind of, we all got the excitement, I think in the first kind of lockdown where the whole country went into it about this. It was this kind no, of novel, it, wasn't it? It, it was, was like, it was a little bit, oh, interesting. Like, let's oh, find. I get to work from home. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And not um, to invalidate the, you know, the, the trauma around that yeah. and you know, the, how lucky and grateful we are that we yeah. were able to continue working. working. But also just the fact that like kind of we had all these new apps of like kind of connecting. Sure. But then I think it was the fatigue as well of that situation. And what I'm hearing with Q is that they'd probably been quite new to being single here as well mm-hmm. because they broke up in the January. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly like in March, like the world has changed and yeah. they're stuck in their four walls of their apartment. And when and- they have that breakup, right, there is absolutely that grief process, but there is a bit of, ooh, what's out there? Exactly. Oh, this is going to be exciting. Oh, this is going to be the next chapter. Yeah, Who yeah. am I going to meet? So, there, you know, there's so many negative emotions, but there's so much excitement exactly. as well. Mm. And so, like, instead of, like, being able to get out into the bars and, like, on to, um, into the dating scene and kind of have those really new and novel experiences with different people... Q was stuck and yeah. like, but also connected still. Like I, the, I can't imagine what the Zoom fatigue must feel like to be constantly through meetings and like kind of talking to people, but then kind of getting up from your desk to get a glass of water and the walls still being there. One thing that I, I heard, I don't know about you, Jamie, uh, and, and I guess you as well, Tom, but a lot of people talking during COVID about this sense of disconnection and isolation. And as a therapist, I felt really powerless. Mm. It was one of the, yeah. I guess, one of the few times in my career that I've kind of gone, yeah, actually, I don't know really what to do or say here. I don't actually know. I don't know what the therapy is. I don't know what the right psychological mm. strategy is here because I understood, uh, because obviously we were going through it as well, but the, this idea of, oh, well, yeah, still connect with people people through Zoom or through Skype or via a phone call or via text message. But you're right, it's just not the same. Well, like um, I, the way I kind of envisioned myself during a lot of this period was as people's cheerleader. Um, and like I really tried to lean into that kind of obnoxious uh, positivity mm. almost uh, to the point of just being like all smiles. Like one of the ways I did that in clinic was that I started wearing some very fun outfits to work. Um, because for me, a personal coping strategy for dealing with like kind of the loss of uh, enjoyment in not being able to do certain things was that every morning I would have a moment of silly by kind of, I create characters for each of my outfits. So we have like the middle-aged divorcee who's wearing all black and um, she's like just bought the art gallery because she wants to meet some hot art people. Um, and like that was one of the characters each morning, but then we'd mix into like the um, flamboyant Look, a lot of my characters are very gay, I'm just realising, but um, (laughs) the flamboyant Willy Wonka with the pink satin pants and, like, the candy cane shirt. 
Isn't that interesting? Because I think in a lot of ways, I probably took the opposite approach in particularly in my client work mm. in, in sitting with the clients and kind of being like, Same. yeah, you know what? I freaking get this. Yeah, this is really humanity. tough. Yeah. That connection through common humanity, which is, you know, this idea that when we suffer, we don't suffer alone and that the yep. world suffers with us. And if we can connect with that idea, yeah. uh, then it can kind of help us understand that we're not alone in our pain. And I would have to say that certainly in my lifetime, I can't think of a, a greater shared pain than, mm. than COVID. An analogy I love, you're mm-hmm. on the road and your car broke, breaks down. It might be your bus. You might be driving to Broken Hill. <gasps> oh, my God, am I on the top in a silver gown? <laughs> oh, you are Hugo Weaving, living your best fantasy life. Guy Pierce is amazing oh. in that. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, my gosh. Okay, so you're on the car and you get a busted tyre. Yeah, is that a thing? I think, I think so, yeah. A flat yeah. tyre. Flat tyre, that's the word I'm looking for. You get your flat tyre. Do you then We're spend the next... We're not the most the mechanically next- minded <laughs> people in the world, obviously. Oh, God. Okay, do you spend the next two hours going, but why do I have a flat tyre? Analyzing, trying to understand, trying to find the spot that busted up your tyre, your flat tyre. Or right do you just try to fix a tyre and move forward? Okay. That's exactly what you do. So yeah. we're accepting the tyre is stuffed, Yeah. And then we're trying to move forward because if we're consumed by the tyre, we're not going to get to where we're going. We're not going to get to Broken Hill, are we now? I'm just thinking that for Q at the moment, it sounds like she doesn't feel great about herself, you know, right now as we're talking. And I really, you know, we've talked a lot about loneliness and grief, but I also want to kind of give room to the fact that she's wanting to date at the moment, that she's actively, you know, it's, it's tough being single and seeing your partners or, you know, your friends with their partners, especially if they're starting families and if that's something that you're wanting to head towards as well. And I think that I can hear a lot of pressure that she's putting on herself mm. and um, that, that'd be really hard going into the dating world. And I kind of want to give her a bit of space um, having that grief as well. Yeah, I think it's um, like kind of figuring out how to date. Like I, this would be true whether we've, if we've been in a long-term relationship for several years and we've not dated, we always kind of get those kind of fumbles at the start of like that dating exercise again and kind of giving us, giving ourselves a decent amount of kind of leniency and self-compassion here would be really helpful to able to be able to say that, okay, I'm going to go on a date and I'm probably not going to be my best, like, mm. 100% like glittery shiny version of Tom um, as I would have if I'd kind of not experienced this last two years. I don't think it's uncommon as well for the age that Q is at to, you know, she's 36 now, 33 just before COVID hit. Um, as we're entering our early 30s, it's often a time where we're leaving our 20s behind and, and you know, maybe starting to think about settling down. And she's certainly saying that um, uh, and wanting to find someone and to feel like, most of her mid-30s have, have now been put on pause in being able yeah. to find that person to settle down with. I can understand how hard that must be. So I think so far we've kind of really acknowledged and validated everyone's kind of trauma, grief, loneliness, and they have been tough. Um, but I think we kind of coming into 2022 now, there's so many opportunities here now mm-hmm. where we can find our new normal. Mm-hmm. And I think when we've experienced kind of the trudgery um, and the kind of repetitiveness of the last few years, it's very easy to feel like that's like now our new normal. Um, Whereas if we can find that glimmer of hope or that rose tint to our glasses, we actually can see that we can rewrite our plans. 
And our future doesn't have to be what it was in 2019, kind of in terms of the grand scheme of planning. But instead, there's so many different opportunities available to us. Like we have this capacity within ourselves to say, actually, my narrative is going to be different now. Mm. And it can be like whether that's within ourselves as who we are or but like also how we approach the world into the future. If I want it to be different, it can be different. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So you're kind of reframing it here, Tom, to kind of say, well, yeah, it's been a really difficult period, but how can I also look at this as as a potential opportunity if, if that's the only positive that I can take out of this? Absolutely, because there's so much of life, like, and we know this with motivation, with energy, is built on momentum. And all that momentum kind of went by the wayside. And we're now stuck with this moment of inertia where we're kind of stuck um, previously in kind of the lockdown, COVID, um, uncertainty certainty life but once we start to build a momentum again where do we want it to go something else that really stands out for me here with q is what she said right at the end which is i'm quite anxious as we re-enter this new world and you're kind of talking about it there tom and certainly something that i think is very common at the moment mm. uh, which is this idea of feeling anxious about re-entering mm. the world after several years of isolation and lockdown and not just from the position of, well, there is still a disease out there that, mm. you know, is infectious and that can be caught and, and could, you know, disrupt my life. Uh, but also also from the perspective of, well, how do I date? Who's yeah. out there now? What are my friends like? Mm. Uh, Jamie, I know that we were talking the other day about this idea of, um, uh, you know, maybe some friendships being seen a little bit differently given some views that people might have had, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, over the uh, over the course of the last couple of years about things like vaccines and lockdowns and all those types of things. Um, and I just think it's really important to acknowledge that most of us are probably coming out of lockdown with a little bit of trepidation. Absolutely. There is at least a little part of us that's yeah. like, oh, what's going on? Hang on. If I go to that party, am I going to get COVID? I know there's between me and my friends, there's been a lot of talk, particularly over the Christmas break of, well, I've got some plans, so I'm just going to self-isolate for yeah. a couple of days before yeah. I go away so I don't get COVID and then have to <laughs> not go on my trip. Absolutely. Like I found like going to parties and kind of festivals and all these kind of things over the last two months mm -hmm. or so that I usually reach a certain point of the evening or of the day or of the event where I reach my limit. Is that like, your 30s, Tom? <laughs> no, I've been 29 for a number of years now. Um, it's his fourth 29th birthday. Exactly. Uh, no, it's much more just in the sense that like I get to it, like my anxiety or my kind of just exhaustion mm. from kind of doing this uh, new activity that I haven't done in a while uh, kind of reaches a limit during the event. Absolutely. And I just mm -hmm. kind of say to my friends, look, I'm like, I'm just going to tap out now because I've reached my limit. I've been saying to my friends, you know, when we talk about going to a restaurant or something, I'll still say, do you guys just want to come over for dinner? Like, I'll often just have more and more. And I have become a much better cook during lockdowns, like I did kind of do around the world. So the Heinz tomato soup yeah. in the can. <laughs> Will you guys have my Korean tacos? Yeah, true. <laughs> so I'd also be saying to Q that it is okay to acknowledge this trepidation of coming out, uh, coming back out into the world. And to do it a bit more slowly if you need to do it slowly, mm. to put some boundaries in if you need to put boundaries in, that's absolutely okay. Yeah, and I think one of the things here that if we can acknowledge that we lean into that moment of like mm -hmm. kind of anxiety or kind of discomfort, mm -hmm. um, then when we kind of kind of finish the event or we come home again, we acknowledge what we kind of have experienced. So kind of positively feedbacking to ourselves and being grateful for, okay, this was actually a really fun thing. Like I was anxious as all F um, before I went, but I still had a really good time mm -hmm. because I met so-and-so mm -hmm. or I met X, Y, and Z. And like, this is a positive moment where I kind of overcame that anxiety. 
I'd also be saying to Q, be careful you're not overpacking your calendar. I've got mm. this beautiful friend who I love, okay, and I actually wasn't talking about Tom, although like, he, he shriveled he into a corner. <laughs> so maybe this might apply to Tom as well as Q, as well as my very good friend. And she is like just absolutely back to back with her social calendar. And I just know if I get her on like Sunday afternoon, she will be cancelling on me because she will be so exhausted because she feels mm-hmm. like, but I have to. I'm, and she literally says, I will never say no, no to anything ever again. I'm like, you really should say no to some stuff in there. So I wonder whether if Q starts dating, I might also be flaying with her. Just, you don't need to go on a date, like three dates a day or stuff like that. Like one at a time. I shrivel it into the corner, Jamie, because like my next available appointment, and we're recording this in March, is in April um, in the sense of not with like patients, but with friends and like kind of I've bit very much, uh, unfortunately, to my own like sleep patterns, uh, left uh, kind of very little time for me. And I think I 100% echo what you say, Jamie, to actually kind of make sure that we take time for ourselves. So if you're one of Tom's dating suitors, uh, pen pals... <laughs> Requires me being like available for dates emotionally as well. Okay. Oh, okay. So <laughs> that's a whole different episode. Yeah, Tom. exactly. Oh, okay. Q, that's part of it as Hi, well. Like, I'm Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of it. Q is like you know, um, there can be that sense of loneliness, and you know, why? Like, are you wanting to date right now? Are you wanting to be in a relationship? So I'd be kind of mapping that stuff out with you at the moment. Like, if you were in the therapy room with me, is what would you get out of a relationship? Yeah, what would be the good things about what you're looking for within a relationship? Is this something that you're already getting from other people right now? What what wouldn't you be getting in a relationship as well? And there's also wonderful things about, um, you know, having time on your own. We talked a little bit about this in the anxious attachment episode, that there are wonderful things about being single, you know, maybe having your bed to yourself, maybe being able to cook what you want, not having to check in with. There are actually really convenient things about not being beholden, but there are also really beautiful things about being in a relationship as well. Mm. So, I, you know, often when we're yearning for something, we might focus more on what we're missing out on kind of also giving space to, well, actually, this is how things are good at the moment as well for Q. So, guys, I think we've uh, kind of had a lovely little chat about the traumatic last two years. And let's do some final thoughts. Dave? Sure. So I think what we touched on earlier is really important around this idea of common humanity. So the idea that when we struggle, when we're in pain, uh, we're not in pain alone, that it's actually a common experience to humanity. It is part of what makes us human is to hurt sometimes. Uh, and as uh, like self-compassion would say, as Kristen Neef, kind of the, the guru of self-compassion would say, um, that if we can connect with this idea that when we suffer, we don't suffer alone, it can actually help us to get through those moments. And as I said earlier, I think that there is no better example of that than the last two years of us all su- mm-hmm. suffering through COVID and, and lockdown. You know, part of me thought, oh, do we really want to do a COVID, you know, focused one? Because I think all of us just have burned out. Like, you know, of course we want to forget the last two years, but actually I'd be sitting here encouraging Q to go, the last two years have happened and um, we need to grieve grieve the the loss of that experience and grieve that, you know, her plan has changed in this situation, but also it has, but where do you want to get to? Mm. Yeah. When you're in that rocking chair, when you're 80 years old, where do you want to be? Where do you want to be sitting back? 
And I think what you're tapping into there as well, Jamie, is this idea of kind of hopelessness uh, and powerlessness versus what I can control and what I can actually do. So the fact that our plans changed completely out of our control, but the fact now that we might be able to find opportunity in that Mm. uh, is within our control. Yeah, I think you've both just stolen my final thought. Um, (laughs) And like, I I basically wanted to kind of uh, convey to Q that um, when we're reflecting on kind of where we want to head now that like kind of COVID has reached this new normal in inverted commas is kind of reminding ourselves of who we are and kind of sinking in with like who am I what's important to me Mm. and where do I find this new momentum and which direction is it going to go because we're no longer kind of caught in the conveyor belt of life that was like us in 2019 instead we can kind of define our new conveyor belt and Mm. define what's important to us and work towards that Mm. because it is going to be hard it's going to be Mm. difficult in these first like kind of winding up the machine ways of getting back to life exactly and so but within that there's so many different opportunities and there's so many different ways that we can kind of further define ourselves by where we head. It's great. Well, guys, thanks. That was a lovely little uh, walk down memory lane of lockdowns yeah. with Q. But I think oh, um, we had some really nice points. It was yeah. great. How relevant. Yeah. Oh, I know. How relevant. Yeah. Like yeah. the hangover of like COVID is still just oh, going on, isn't it? No. Oh, no. I'm sick of hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, please, uh, everyone, like and subscribe to us because uh, every little moment uh, gets us up that um, podcast tree and reaches more people who might enjoy our disastrous banter. Bye. Bye. Meet Q is brought to you by Q Psychology, Melbourne's leading private psychology practice for the LGBTQIA plus community. Q is a fictional character. Any similarities to a specific person are coincidental and are due to Q representing common mental health difficulties experienced by members of the queer community. Any advice provided by the presenters is general in nature and should not replace specific and individualised mental health support that might be needed. If you or someone you know is struggling with their mental health, Lifeline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 13 11 14. Rainbow Door is available on 1800 729 367, 10am to 5pm, seven days a week. And Q Life is available on 1800 184 527, 3pm to midnight every day. Please visit the Meet Q website at www.meetqpodcast.com for further specific LGBTQIAP mental health resources. 